From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I am Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back for another episode of the Thinking Out Loud podcast. We are excited today. You know, the world is going through a lot right now. All eyes are on Afghanistan, as you heard us talk about uh, last week. And you know what we always say is when we have things that are going on in the world that we feel like we need to get an expert on and to talk about it, we do that. And so we actually have an expert on today, and his name is Andrew Rocky Rushkowski. He is a retired colonel with the U.S. Army. His career has included business, politics, military service. Upon graduation from college, he was commissioned through the Officer Candidate School Program, serving both as an enlisted infantryman and later an infantry officer, serving two combat tours and being awarded the Bronze Star Medal for meritorious actions during combat operations. Rocky is also a successful entrepreneur. He holds two master's degrees and a law degree. He led a national service company from near bankruptcy to profitability without a single layoff. Wow. Currently, he is the president and owner of Imperium Logistics, LLC, a $30 million supply chain business, and Rocky serves on several corporate boards. And then a little bit more about Rocky. In 1996, Rocky was elected to the Michigan State Legislature as a state representative. In 1998, he was elected by his fellow representatives as the youngest majority leader of any state's House of Representatives in the nation. In 2002, Representative Rushkowski was term limited by a state constitutional amendment that he worked to pass. In 2010, Rocky ran for Congress, and while his bid was ultimately unsuccessful, it was the second closest race in the nation. Rocky is also active in charitable work. And I know you're thinking by now, like, how does he have time for all these things? Uh, I'm a good family. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And he serves on the board of the ALS of Michigan and the Michigan chapter of the American Red Cross. He's a frequent guest commentator on political and national security issues on radio, television. And of course, those of you that are in Michigan, he's most notably on Let It Rip on Fox to Detroit. And uh, he holds a BA. In political science and psychology from Eastern Michigan University, he completed a master's in administration from Central Michigan University, a master's in national security from the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, and a doctorate from Michigan State University College of Law. He lives in Oakland County, one of our best counties here in Michigan, and he's married to his wife, Amelia. 
and they have one daughter. And Rocky joins us on the show today. Rocky, thanks for being on the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, boy, uh, you you read it like I wrote it. That was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> uh, my parents couldn't uh, have written anything better. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, and I also appreciate it was very short notice that we reached out to you and you were yeah. willing to come on. And we really, really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, well, it's it's very rare that you get stalked by two local men uh, constantly asking you, can you be on? Can you be on? Can you be on? <laughs> a portion of 15 minutes. So I, I had to say yes. I was I was concerned. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we appreciate it. And so. Rocky, I'm just going to jump right in. Everybody's eyes is on are on uh, Afghanistan, all of the things that are happening there on the ground. You know, we are just months into a new presidency and, you know, people voted for who they thought would run the country, lead the country, not only in, you know, social issues or fiscal issues, but also national security. And we have seen over the past few weeks just a crisis unfold in Afghanistan where we've been for 20 years keeping the peace, making sure that our national security is in place. And so I'm just curious, you know, you being a, a, a lieutenant colonel, also being in the political scene, what is what's been your just your raw reaction to what's happening on the ground in Afghanistan? Sadness, disappointment, and a level of pride, and I'll explain that one in a minute, a level of pride and a little level of satisfaction of how our military is serving, and I'll explain that one as well. There's a couple of caveats there. From the perspective, let me, let me just kind of explain the sadness and disappointment. The sadness and disappointment is basically aimed at the political leaders, because this war it was not lost by the military. It was lost by our political leaders. Every single battle that the U.S. military fought are, are brave men and women that have served in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, even Coast Guard. Every single one of them have been fought valiantly. Mm-hmm. And the enemy feared the American service member. Let's, let's just be, set yeah. the record straight that the enemy feared the American service member. Yeah. yeah. The sad part is, is that we have a lack of will in our nation. We have a lack of intestinal fortitude to follow through on our enemies. We are very short-sighted. We're very myopic as a society, and we need to fix that. Otherwise, our national security will be hurt in the end. And lastly, we have political leaders that basically bring their societal beliefs and their political beliefs into how they command and authorize actions by Mm -hmm. the military. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking the advice of your experts, mm. what what has happened, and so that both of you know this, this isn't just a Democratic thing. This right. also happened under Republicans, yeah. and, and it needs to be highlighted that the Secretary of Defense is the same on the same playing field as the Secretary of State. Although in this country, because after kinetic operations, and kinetic operations are what what's called what we normally think of as combat. Or when you watch mm-hmm. movies, you think of the shooting, the, the explosions and everything else, or the, or the operations. Those are kinetic co- operations. After those kinetic operations have ceased or have started to become less operational, meaning there's a le- high, lower tempo, less mm-hmm. actions on the battlefield, 
what happens is our political leaders tend to flip from the Department of Defense to the Department of State for mm-hmm. alleged diplomacy. And the experts in the Department of State are the ones that tend to dictate over the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, a good friend, Dan Crenshaw, who's now in, in Congress, who I'm a, I'm a strong supporter of, said this the best. And I, I fully concur with him that the DOD and the State Department are on the same playing field. We both have secretaries that sit in the cabinet. The mm-hmm. problem is, is that the Secretary of State tends to trump. And I don't mean to, to use that, that word lightly or, or as a <laughs> basically tends to, the Secretary of State tends to trump the DOD. And the Secretary of State, in this case, Anthony Blinken, and I believe the Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, are the ones that put us into this this disaster. Instead of listening to the operations and the proposals and the mission execution that was proposed by experts in the DOD, we broke every single, every single condition of what the DOD would have laid out and what common practice is. You never take the military out before you extract all your assets and all your people in a war zone. Mm-hmm. And it still is a war zone. No matter how much you sign mm-hmm. a peace agreement, we actually contained and managed that country. When we pulled out our military assets, guess what? The country fell apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I hope, uh, I hope you, you see that there's a lot of pride in how our military is reacting. Yeah, because our military takes orders from civilian leaders. When I said I'm proud and and very satisfied with how our military is behaving, it's because th- this is not military protocol, and they mm-hmm. took orders from civilians yeah. that basically said, "You're leaving Department of State. This is going to be a diplomatic mission." And guess what? This is what we got out of it. So that leads right into one of the questions that I've I've placed down that I really wanted to ask because. For someone like me who just, I don't know all the inner workings. I know that we've been there since I was 11 years old. Okay. And so in my, well, since I've been nine years old, but I really came to front when September 11th happened. So with that being said, with your experience, you talked about the DOD and the head of state and all of that. With your experience, what are the usual, what would the usual protocol of exiting a nation look like? Because if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and you hit it right on the head with Republicans, I believe Trump was even wanting to pull our troops out slowly. And I could be wrong there, so correct me if I am. Yeah, I'll explain but, that one. Okay. But so with your experience, how should have this how should this have happened for for the listeners? Because I think that's where our first frustration is. Yeah, first off, let me explain the difference between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. Yeah. And Biden tends to say that the buck stops here, and I'm I'm not trying to be political, but I'm gonna clean up the untruths. Yeah. And if anybody Anybody listens to this podcast and believes that I'm telling a lie or can find and correct 100% of what I'm saying, I would be more than happy to write them a check because I, I, I put my money where my mouth is. So here's the, here's the bottom line truth, because if we're going to talk in, in, in our Christian faith, if we're going to be talking about what we need to do to protect our nation, because our nation yeah. is by far the last free hope of the world. The world looks to America, and, sure. and we can get into that a little bit later. But let's first talk about the Trump and Biden administration. The Trump administration, absolutely, they were negotiating with, with the Taliban. But here's the key. They negotiated from a position of strength with conditions. Yep. If those conditions were not met, 
guess what happened? The Taliban suffered extreme consequences. There were conditions laid out for everything. And furthermore, the military was the last expected to be out. First, all of our assets. First, we make sure we, by the way, under the Trump administration, we were still supporting the Afghan government. In our conditions, we were going to support the Afghan government and the standing Afghan army with what's called ISR, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, ISR. If you hear those terms, those are military and uh, and what, I, what, I, what we'll call OGA terms, other government agency terms, mm-hmm. ISR, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. There were conditions. There was ISR requirements for the Afghan government and military, and there was support. If the Afghan government or military needed help, we would assist them. There were still cells that were going to operate, but we had a full pullout out of that country. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the Trump administration. Let's look at the Biden administration. And by the way, when President Biden says, well, President Trump bound us to this agreement and I had to live with this agreement. Well, President Trump also, when he entered into office, he tore up what was called the JPCOA, which was the agreement with Iran. He tore up yeah. multiple agreements. Yep. He tore up the Paris yep. uh, Climate Accord. Yep. Yes. Guess what? When Biden yep. came into office, he tore up every single agreement foreign that he didn't agree with with Trump, yep. right. a- except for the tariffs ex- and except for this. So uh, the buck stops where the buck stops. Right. The president is fully accountable. The Biden administration is fully accountable. Furthermore, when we talk about this and, and you can feel the passion in my voice, oh, am absolutely. I just yeah. angry? Absolutely. I'm angry. Yeah. I'm disappointed, and we should talk more about that because my heart is broken. My heart is broken for our country and for our service members that have to take it on the chin. But uh, for for what happened in the last two weeks in Afghanistan, but what has happened is the Biden administration through the Department of State basically said, you know, what? we're going to expedite getting us out of this country. We're going to set an August thirty first. We're going to extend the the deadline when we leave. But we're going to expedite how we get our military out. Yeah. And then they said that nobody, including, I hate to say this, but the DOD said nobody believed that the Afghan military would collapse so quickly. Well, first off, let's let's dissect that. When you say so quickly, what does that mean? That means that you did believe that the government was going to fall. Right. Otherwise, you would have said we didn't believe the government was going to fall. Why did you say so quickly? So there, you did believe the government was going to fall. Cables and documents show that this administration said their estimates were 90 days. Well, guess what? Between 90 days and seven days, we're just talking about semantics. We're still talking about a nation and a military fall. Furthermore, the military was supported by the United States with this ISR, the Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance. Mm -hmm. The military was also supported with us mentoring them. There are special operations in our ground troops, our, our big army, big Marines on the ground, helping them, helping their medics learn how to how to take care of their 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 soldiers on the ground. And then we also gave them air power, which they're still learning about. They're still mm-hmm. using a lot. They were still using our equipment and still learning. Now, lastly, let's inject this last final bit of uh, bit of the tail that really is the 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 poison. The, the witch's brew, so to speak. And that is that the military is not paid. There's a lot of corruption. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, the Taliban don't adhere to what's called Geneva Convention rules. 
nope. right. of warfare. Right. Nope. And without and and I apologize for getting graphic because I'm I'm just going to warn your listeners that this is going to be very graphic. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can prepare if they want to step aside for about one sixty seconds. The Taliban come into a community or into a village and grab the village elder that may have supported the United States or a family member. And what they will do is they will behead with a serrated knife the family members and then the 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 interpreter or the assistant or or the person that allegedly collaborated with the US government or with the Afghan forces. So now you're you're confronted with a military that is not being paid because of corruption. They don't have the ISR that they've been basically a crutch on. The military, the U.S. military completely leaves. The U.S. government says, hey, they're going to fall in 90 days. And we have political leaders here that say, ah, oh, the Afghan government will fall in 90 days. The military is going to fall, blah, 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 without giving any support to these people. And then we wonder why a country fell. Yeah. And then we wonder why we have the debacle that we have when we take our military out and we give our largest base, the Bagram Air Base, which is our largest asset, which most of the operations and, and our aviation assets came from. Mm-hmm. And now let's let's quadruple what I just said. We have no allies in the region that would be willing to house or support a U.S. base or a U.S. operation. That includes Pakistan, yeah. which is their ISI, which is their intelligence services, have widely been supportive of the Taliban. For quite a, for quite some time, we have no support in Kazakhstan or Tajikistan. We can't rely on Russia, and most importantly, China now is funding its way through our ally Pakistan into Afghanistan. And for what? Number one, to analyze American operations. Yep. And number two, to get the rare earth metals and rare earth materials out of Afghanistan. By the way. What's the largest besides the, and I won't say a rare earth ma- uh, material is, is opium, but it is lithium. And Afghanistan is, is the largest hub on this earth. It's been blessed by God to have the most lithium anywhere in the world. And, and we've got an administration that's moving us towards electric cars and electric this, electric <laughs> that. What do you think we need? Right. Lithium. We are right. We are sorry for for filibustering, but we are stupid if we yeah. think that our Department of State is going to bring us out of this. Well, no, and you don't have to apologize for filibustering. I think you hold way more credit than Kevin and I getting on here and saying no. You know, well, I'm mm-hmm. just saying some people we would say that, and some people would say, well, that's an assumption. But somebody who's been on ground in, in all of that, knowing operations, I think there's a lot more credit to that. I'll ask one more question, and, and I'll let Kevin get through with it, but. I've heard, because again, there's two frustrations. Why did we pull out so fast the way we did? And why did we leave our, you just talked about even China trying to fund their way in. So again, my head goes, so then why did we leave our resources there? And I heard somebody tell me, well, those are baked into war costs. Usually they're destroyed. Can you kind of give us the protocol to that? Planes, guns, you talk about intelligence. I mean, is there a way that they can, my thing goes right to reverse engineering, right? And, and maybe I'm just being too civilian when I say that, but why, why would we do something like that? I mean, we left everything. So what's the protocol for that? Well, first off, Kyle, you're not talking about civilian stuff because reverse engineering is part of 
what's called the MDMP process, military decision-making process. And you're absolutely correct. All that Kaizen effort and that reverse engineering is always baked into military operations. If you can't see your end state and work backwards on how you envision the operations and evaluate how those operations will be affected by potential attacks or or other contingency operations, then you shouldn't be in the military, especially as a as a senior ranking NCO or an officer. So Kyle, my hat's off to you. You're absolutely correct. And it's a great question. What a lot of people don't understand is we didn't go there to nation build, but we ended up nation building. Right. We built up probably the sixth or or seventh, eighth largest military there was. A lot of the equipment that's there, uh, let me first let the US uh, citizens know, don't fear. Don't fear. You, we should be angry. We should be livid with the, with the weaponry that was left behind that was thrown into the hands of the enemy. But the, the, the machine gun, the, the saw, the squad automatic weapons, the AR 15s, which are M16s, the old style M16s with the, with the scopes, the night vision goggles, the, the Black Hawk helicopters and so forth. All of that is American equipment that was left for specifically for the Afghan army. Okay. That was baked. The person that told you that it was baked into the cost of the war, that is absolutely correct. That was baked into the cost of building up and strengthening the Afghan army. Furthermore, without getting into too much classified material, I can share with you that the equipment that we do on what's called foreign military sales, mm-hmm. FMS, has to go through Congress, has to be cleared through the DOD. And that equipment is actually not, it's not 100% what U.S. current equipment is. It may be the, the, the aircraft, it may have certain things on it, but it, it doesn't have every single part of every single secret portion that the U.S. military uses, especially for Afghanistan. Our NATO allies use quite a bit, and they have quite a bit of secret material on on our vehicles. For example, uh, without getting into too much of the weeds, jamming devices for IEDs. Mm -hmm. If a IED has what's called a cell phone, that a communication, kind of getting a little bit into more, I guess, layman's terms, if a cell phone born IED, which is blown up by a cell phone calling it from a distance instead of a wire detonated, which a person right. would be much closer to the detonation, those cell phones have signals and that's how they detonate the IED. Well, if a vehicle is driving by and it has a jamming device, it could jam those signals without yeah. getting into too much of the details. Yeah. It could jam those signals. So not all of that material is in our enemy's hands, so right. to speak. Do you follow what I'm okay. saying? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes clear sense. So that, that material that was left behind was left behind for the Afghan army. The U.S. military, the army, the Navy, Marines, Air Force, every squadron, every group, every detachment, every platoon, every company has their MTO, their military operational equipment that's assigned, as well as their their secret equipment that that is assigned as well from their communications devices to other things. And all of that equipment is accounted for. All that equipment moves with the units. 
Mm. The stuff that was left behind was the Afghan military stuff that you see. Okay. Okay. Mm. Wow. That's uh, very interesting. Nobody's talking about that. And you're probably the first show to actually talk about that. And the sad part about it is, is that we've left behind quite a few things. And yeah, it's very disheartening. Can I, can I go on a one quick tangent? Sure. Yeah. It's very disheartening because I had a friend who served in my unit. When I say a friend, I say that loosely because he was more of an acquaintance, but he did serve in my unit. He, he was, he went to Iraq. He was named, and you can Google this name. His name was Brian Freeman. He was a 33 year old man who was a West Point graduate who uh, left the military and was called back under stop loss into the army and, and was sent over to Iraq. And Brian Freeman had two children and a wife in, in California that he left behind. Brian Freeman had a, a civil military operation team that he was operating in Basra. I believe it was Basra. And they had a, a security force of Iraqis that were around them that, that allowed them to come in and meet with the local leaders of that, of that bill, of that city. And the reason why I tell you this is because Brian Freeman was the, the probably, and his team were probably the first notable KIAs killed in action of the Iranian special forces. What the Iranian special forces did were they drove in in white suburbans, very similar to what our state department drove, level one, level two, level three white suburbans, which are the levels mean that they don't take small arms fire. They were white so U.S. suburbans. They were wearing American uniforms with contact lenses and American AR-15s or M-16s at that time. And when they were driving, the Iraqis, when the Americans are by or they see that the Americans are coming, they're, they're not going to check IDs. So they just waved them through and the, the Iranians drove right through. And basically got to the plaza in Basra. And when they got out, they shot up the, the team sergeant. And then they went into the city hall and took four of our military members hostage. They threw them in a vehicle and started driving off south and towards Iran. By the time the QRF, which is quick reaction force, was notified, helicopters got up in the air, vehicles got, uh, got uh, dispatched. And onto the field when the Iranians saw that they were being chased and they saw that they needed to kind of blend in with, with the Shia population in Iraq, they pulled off to the side of the road. And again, this is very graphic, so I hope that I'm not offending your audience. You're good. But they pulled off to the side of the road, and here it goes. They pulled the four men out, and they put a bullet in each one of their head. And they were wearing American uniforms, American vehicles. So if there's a concern, yeah, there's a concern. There's, number one, a concern that, that you have military operational products and, and manufactured equipment on the field mm. that has a friend or foe identifier that it may have. Yeah. Number two, and that's, that's an issue, our friend or foe identifiers. That's an issue. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, number two is it's disheartening. It's heartbreaking to every single person that served in the military to see what you were doing. And to see it washed away in a matter of minutes and then be given to our enemies. Yeah. Not just the Taliban, because yeah. these are prehistoric anti-women extremist Muslims. Mm. You know, we in the Christian faith, we're Muslims, Jews, and Christians, we're monotheists. We believe in the same God. Yeah. But we have a loss because 
there are extremists out there that do not follow the word of, of God and do not understand the love and peace that we should be trying to, to aim towards. And as someone that has served in the military for 27 years, I got to tell you that it's disheartening to see our equipment go to such people. Mm-hmm. I hope I answered your question. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rocky, I guess my question is, is it too far gone? Like wh- where we stand right now with Afghanistan and all the things that are happening is it too far gone? Are we able to walk back from this and, and salvage anything if if need be? I don't think this administration's going to do it, but is it too far gone? Nothing is ever too far gone. Mm-hmm. There is a plan or a contingency. And I got to tell you, the, the two great books that I, I adhere to, and I'm a, I'm a dyslexic. I will be honest with you, I'm a dyslexic. And uh, I... I <laughs> I try to learn a lot by listening as well and sure. try to read. And But the two great books are The Bible and The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm. And if you, if you take one over the other, but you take the lessons of both, they, are, they show you that nothing is too far gone ever. Mm-hmm. 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 And that there's planning process. And even as we know in this program, the audience is predominantly Christian. So we can basically say, we know how this ends. Yeah. Yeah. We read the book, we know how it ends. Right. And we, we should, number one, never fear, never worry. I believe in the Bible, it's written more than anything else, is never fear, never worry. Yeah. And I don't believe that it's too far gone because there's always some action, some plan. But at the same time, to use that overused term, you know, planners plan and, and actors act. But a lot of times, it's as many times as you make a plan, you've got to make contingencies and you just got to roll with the punches because not all plans work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. So you've, we've got to become a country that has more intestinal fortitude, has more staying power. But at the same time, I will share this. I do believe, I did believe, and I still believe that it was our time to leave. It was our time to leave. But this is not how you do it. We yeah. should have listened to our DOD. So I do believe that it's nothing is ever too far gone. But the second part of your question, I'm a little bit concerned because we do have enemies in the region and we have no bases anymore that we can base from. And we we have a very short sighted uh, foreign policy led by a State Department that sometimes is is not dealing in reality. They feel that everything can be dealt with with diplomacy. And I'm sorry, but sometimes. And I know that we're Christians here, but if we felt that everything could be dealt with diplomacy, then we wouldn't have a military. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I've never understood, and I, you know, I, I've never understood the idea that even from a Christian perspective, that we wouldn't, you know, we're supposed to be good stewards of what we've been given, right? So just from that standpoint alone. We're going to protect our interests. We're going to protect our people. We're going to protect, and and we do a lot of that around the world, you know, for people that we really don't necessarily have to do that for, but we do that because a lot of who we are is based on biblical principles, right? And, and so, and freedom and spreading freedom, right? Freedom is a biblical principle, right? And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, the Afghan people, the Taliban, the, the terrorists, 
you know, and I, I, I don't want to lump them all together. I, I, let me say this. The, the terrorists specifically, they don't understand like the, the, the concept of freedom. That's just not in their vocabulary. Like they, they don't read the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just not, you know, and so I think sometimes we get confused with those things. But how do you feel like this is going to affect the future of our national security when we talk about Russia, China, Iran? Like what that's the part I think that scares me is, is, yeah. is that intersection there? Like how, how do you think this would affect that? Kevin, if if I can just quickly just ask for a personal privilege towards the end of the show to address what you just said at the beginning about oh. our freedom and how Christians kind of deal with this and how we understand that we actually are funding a military that breaks things and kills people and where we're losing our faith and how we're losing our nation and our freedom. If I can just, as a privilege, take that towards the end. Yeah. Let me address your main question. How do I feel our national security will be affected uh, towards Russia or towards China? Well, there's there's a two part answer. Number one is remember what Ronald Reagan did to the big bad bear. The big bad bear at that time, China wasn't even a blink on a screen. And although it was uh, Bush that President Bush 41 that was the ambassador to and the CIA director under Nixon, and he opened up China, if you recall, Mm -hmm. Kissinger. And Kissinger was actually against it, yeah. Which is interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But Bush and Nixon—that uh, that was one of Nixon's big mistakes. There are many that each president has. There, there's many good things and and bad things that both political parties do. But as far as our national security, what Reagan did was he spent the the evil empire of the USSR, the Soviet Union, into a position where. They were fiscally unable to keep up with the military growth and the ability of the United States to spread our national security interests of of a free world mm-hmm. and a free economy throughout the world. And because of that, you saw Gorbachev slowly opening up Russia, and then Russia fell under the presidency of Yeltsin mm-hmm. and, and the USSR. And became the Russian Russian Republic, and for a while the Russian Republic took a back seat. They had a large military, but they took a back seat because they didn't have the funding. They were building up, and quite frankly, they they didn't have the technology to keep up. But now you have Russia, you have China, you have Iran that's getting funding from Russia and China. You have actors that are terrorists that would like to see evil done to this United States and into the way we live. And I believe that we are very much threatened today more than ever before. I believe with the fact that we have opened up our southern border and say what you will about, you know, our love as Christians, our love for Christians is for all men and women. Yeah. And our respect should be for all men and women. But if you recall in the Bible, Jesus always talked about living by the law of the land. And he even gave himself up to the law of Pilate yeah. and to the Roman emperors mm-hmm. to be crucified. Yes. He could have fought back, but he gave himself up to the law. And there were times where when challenged in the temple with, with the coin, yeah. who do we pay taxes to? 
Yeah. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. We, we need to understand that we live under the laws of the nation that we are founded in mm-hmm. and that borders are perfectly acceptable. Jesus never talked about anti-borders That's and right. God basically threw us across all the corners of this world. I don't mean to preach, but God threw us across all the corners of this world with 283 different languages so that we did have a separation. Yeah. Yeah. And that we could bring ourselves back together to honor him. Right. So getting back to the main point without preaching too much, that is that we need to focus on closing our border. Yeah. We need to make sure that the people coming into this country are vetted Mm -hmm. and that the people that are here are still going through vetting. Mm -hmm. I got thrown out of, and I'll share this one last story because it goes into the national security. I was, uh, I was asked to speak at a induction ceremony at the American Polish Cultural Center in Troy, which my father founded. My parents were both immigrants in World War II. Hmm. My mom was in, in a Nazi uh, concentration in Auschwitz the last three years of the war with my grandmother in the northern camps, not the death camps, in the labor side. And my father was in a labor camp by the Nazis as well. Hmm. And they taught me, they came here legally. They taught me to love this country. And my dad founded the American Polish Cultural Center. He was one of the founders and presidents there. And I gave a induction ceremony of speech to brand new citizens. And I said to them, remember why you came here. Mm-hmm. Don't, try to, don't try to change this country. Make it better. Yeah. In other words, applying the melting pot aspect of what that made this country great. Immigrants made this country just as great as the indigenous Americans, Indian as the original owners of this land, as well as every single individual mm-hmm. in this country, be you legal or not legal, be you. And, and I look at all the individuals that have overcome slavery and have created such great things in our country, like Dr. Charles Drew and great leaders like Martin Luther King that taught us to, to focus on people's character and mm-hmm. the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Right. And what we have focused, and, and I told them, Focus on making this country better. Don't try to change it, but make it better. Yeah. And that was the last time I was ever invited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have people coming into this country that should also be vetted because right. they're coming into this country, not because they love this country, because they want the freedom and because of what this country stands for, but because we're handing out a free check for a refugee. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that publicly. I have no problem saying that. You know, we are really causing a disarm to this country and to our refugee population because we're bringing him, them here and putting them on direct welfare. Mm. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, if we bring the whole world here, we'll go bankrupt. Right. And we'll leave the rest of the world to those that are dictators and terrorists. We need to fight for our freedom just like my parents fought, just like every other person fought and do it legally and rightfully. So I think that our national security is threatened, number one, internally, by open borders, by bringing people here that are going to change the fabric of our country tremendously because of the simple fact that not all of them are vetted. Mm -hmm. We have terrorists coming into this country. And for anybody to say that there aren't, I I drop, drop, well, being a Christian show, I'll just say, I call them on it. Right. That's baloney. Yes. Right. And lastly, and lastly, the fact that, Ch- and, and this is the easiest answer to your question, that China, China and Russia, with the fact that they now have access to our military gear 
at least yeah. some of our military gear. And uh, of course, our operational tempo and, and how we operate, and as well as weakening us on an international basis, have a platform now to build up their enemies and to have more people join them against what they would call the evil empire now, and that's the United States. Mm. Which is confusing to me. It's so confusing yeah. because you just talked about lithium, right? And, and we, we know that we'll use military force to, to do what we need to do in other nations as well. I just, I guess, I, I, I don't know. I guess my mind goes, I don't understand how we pull out from that opportunity while leaving opportunity for other nations, unless there's just things we don't know about. Like, that's where my mind goes. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm like, well, maybe there's a grander scheme to things that we just don't know that's happening within the government. And we're just seeing the, the blood and the life loss and not, we're just left confused. I, I would concur with the fact that we don't know everything. But I will right. share this, that the fact of how we left Afghanistan is, is will always be a black eye on this administration. Mm. And more importantly, guess what? On our nation. And yep. it should be a lesson because this happens every single time. We seem to have a liberal mindset leading the Department of State. And Anthony Blinken, I think, should resign or should be impeached immediately. Mm, but mm -hmm. the fact that our Department of State is dictating to the U.S. military about NEO operations, which are non-combatant evacuation operations. That's what, when you hear this term NEO, that's a military term or a governmental OGA term for non-combatant evacuation operations. Mm. It is unconscionable to me that Anthony Blinken would dictate that the U.S. military needs to leave, that, they, that this administration would sign an agreement that would take our military out before our assets. Knowing, knowing that this government has fallen, knowing that there is no crutch to support the, the government of Afghanistan. So, but yes, I'm, I'm sure that there's things that we don't know. But at the same time, Kyle, this was one of the largest money sucks in the history of the United States. Yeah. We can't keep going on. Just like I said earlier, Ronald Reagan bankrupted the big bear, USSR, the Soviet Union. Well, guess what? Afghanistan is bank bankrupting us. And so right. are multiple social programs and other programs in the United States if we don't get our handle on it and understand how we control inflation in our economy and our yeah. M1 money supply. We can't keep printing dollars and think that we're just going to be able to just print money. Right. So oh, it, the, the fact that financially we're destroying the national defense of our country and furthermore, you're right. We don't know everything, but at the same time, you know, China will obviously reap the benefits of the lithium of the large lithium mines and, and lithium uh, in, in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, and I, I you know, I, this may upset some, some people here, but I, I just, I have to ask this question. Do you feel that, <laughs> you know, a lot of times politics plays to the emotions of people. You know, we've we've seen that. Right. So it's, you know, we don't want our military over there for 20 years. We get to bring our, you know, our sons and daughters home, that kind of thing. I just can't imagine the secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin, the, the joint chiefs getting together in a room, knowing that things are going to fall apart and just back out for any other reason other than. We want to look like the good guys in, in the, in, on, on the surface, right? It's, it, you know, we want to look like the virtuous guys. 
I was the president that brought everyone home uh, kind of situation. Like, do you feel it's that political or do you feel like it's just because the other alternative is also not good. It's that we have very smart people making very horrible decisions. And I, I no, just, we don't. No, Kevin, I'm sorry. We don't. We have a lot of book smart people, but they're street stupid. I'm sorry. That is not. I, I apologize, Kevin. That's just okay. not the case. Yeah. And again, I'll bring I'll put the blame on Anthony Blinken and, and Ron Klain, because I'm not sure if the. I, I mean, I don't plan or, or wish to put uh, aspersions on the president, but this president, you, you just watch him in the press conferences. He does not give any type of strength or, or portray any type of strength that our nation is looking for in a president. Yeah. And I don't care how old he is. That, that's not the problem. His age right. is not the issue. Right. I, it's his capacity and his, the way he answers questions and he talks. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. And the way he portrays himself for a president to put his hand, hand, head down in front of a press corps is and to think that that's not going to be a defining moment of that press conference and of this of this evacuation besides the death of of 13 Marines and one corpsman. I, I'm, I, but let, let's be straightforward. And to your question was, we have so many smart people. No, these are book smart people. You have an NSA director that's 44 years old that never served in the military, never served in the public, never really did anything except learn and study in colleges. Mm. That's our national security advisor. My you have the assistant or deputy security advisor. Same, all book smarts. You look at Anthony Blinken, and Ron Klain, who's the chief of staff, Anthony Blinken, who's the secretary of state. All these people were retreads from the Obama administration. And before then, they came from, guess where? Our educational environment, mm. scholastic environment. There's no real experience. And these people believe that, that they can negotiate with terrorists, not because, not because they'll bring a different perspective to the table. This is, this is the difference between and I hate to make this political because I really didn't want to, but this is the difference between conservatives and, and liberals. Mm-hmm. They believe that they're going to come to the table, not by using force, but by using peace and diplomacy, because they're smarter than the conservatives, than the saber rattling conservatives. They're smarter and, and they're going to try a different perspective. Let me tell you, evil only understands one thing and that is brute force yeah 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 uh, i i tend to agree with you uh rocky uh, on that so let's talk just in our you know winding things down i know you wanted to hit on some things about freedom um because i was talking a little bit earlier about about freedom and how you know what we know is is freedom as christians this is just not something that is in the vocabulary or in the, in the stratosphere of terrorists. And so talk a little bit about some of that. Well, I, let me talk from a Christian perspective also, if I, if I may. Sure. And this yep. is strictly yep. my personal perspective, not the perspective of, of the Department of the Army or Department of Defense, but this is my personal perspective. You know, I... Like I mentioned, my father and mother, who are no longer with us, they've passed on. And I've got to tell you that, that I, I, I adore my parents. Mm. My dad, uh, when my dad passed on, I was going through his things 
with my mother, and I found a Bible that he received when he was liberated. He was liberated by the U.S. military and then followed by the 8th British Army that came in and basically fed and took care of the, the, uh, the prisoners or displaced persons at that time. It was, it was called displaced person, persons in World War II. And my dad was given a Bible that I still have. And it's actually, um, I, it's, <laughs> you can't see it, but it's over there. Mm-hmm. And in that Bible, it was a 1943 printed Bible that was given to every soldier, sailor, airman, and Marine. Most of the Marines, as you know, served in the Pacific. Most of the Army served in the, in the East and in the, in the European theater. But they were given to every single service member. And in that Bible, when you turn the first page, there's a, a, a preface, a letter signed by Theodore Roosevelt that says, basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it. It said that in many times I've looked to this book for solace and for strength, and you will as well during your hard times battling for what's right. And then I pulled the Bible that is the same size, the same size that I received when I enlisted. And then also the one that I received when I went overseas that I had with me. There was no preface from President of the United States anymore. Mm. We took God out. Mm. Mm. And you know what? We, we can be a nation that accepts multiple religions, but we are still one nation under God. And I, I'm, I respect all religions and I respect all faiths. And I respect even individuals that have no faith because that's what we were taught to do. We were taught to be examples to them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not to push, but to show the shining light as an example and let them see our Christianity through our hearts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Think about this. That's what our nation was founded on. Mm-hmm. We don't push our freedom on others. We are the torch of freedom for others, just like in the Christian perspective. We are the torch for others. We are the example of freedom. We are the example of liberty. We're not 100% always right. We're not always 100% correct or, 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 or doing the best job that we possibly could. We make mistakes. We're humans. Democrats and Republicans share mistakes. Right. But what we are is a, a beacon of liberty. And to get to one of the things you said earlier, we need to be good stewards. And I will share this. If we weren't a good steward, like many on the left believe we aren't, and many atheists believe we aren't, then why are people still clamoring to get into the United States? Why are people still clamoring to hold on to a wheel well of a plane to try to still get into that plane or Mm. still get to the United States to fall and be crushed to their death? Mm. Yeah. There are people that are still lined up at the Abbey Gate, even today, after that explosion, and clamoring to try to get in and get a seat. Mm-hmm. And what's most scary to me is I'm, I, it, it will seem like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'll wrap this up quickly here and wrap it up in a bow for you. You know, we, we had probably no more than 10,000 interpreters, host nation Afghanis that served and worked with the U.S. government or with the current Afghani government. Mm-hmm. But yet we're now on a trajectory to bring over 105,000 back to the United States. 
Hmm. Think about that. Wow. Think about our southern border where we had over a million just in the last five months come across our southern border. And out of those, they're not all, you know, Latino individuals, South American or even Central American or Mexicans that are coming across. We are now seeing approximately 24% from other countries, 24%. Mm. And even one, one group, two men that were captured that were on a terrorist cell that were mm. captured at the border. So we as, we as individuals, as good stewards, we need to know and we need to elect people because we do t- the military takes orders from the, from the civilians that are appointed above them. Yeah. We need to take a stronger and a more considerate way of how we elect people and mm-hmm. do our research and truly do a gut check before we hate somebody because they made a phone call to Ukraine or because they, they used poor speech. Mm-hmm. We are in an era today where we need to look at actions, not just words. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll leave you with this and say that I still believe that our brightest days are still yet to come. We can still get through this, but we need the leadership and we need people to stop putting politics before our nation and before the will of, uh, of or the, the, uh, our freedoms, our nation and the people that we serve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bless and, and, or I, I ask God to bless our nation and our people every day as well as my family. I have a tattoo on my right hand side that I serve and die for my God, family and country. And I believe that, as I'm sure that the two of you do as well. Yeah. And we need more men and women, doesn't matter what faith, what color, what gender you are, to stand up and ask for what's right for our children. Otherwise, we're going down a dark, dark alley. And if we're going to be part of the solution, and we know what that last chapter in the Bible says, we know what's going to happen. That's right. And we know who wins. That's right. We win. Yes. They lose. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Rocky, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking this time with us today. I also thank you so much for your service to our, our country, your patriotism, your continued support, you know, and I've listened to you for years. And so I know that you are a true patriot and we need more people like you, you know, and my desire is that more people would raise sons and daughters that instilled the things that your parents instilled to you. Yeah, you know, one of the things you said, you said my parents instilled in me to love this country. And man, if it, you know, I it's just it's disheartening to see all the trends of things to hate the country. You know, whether it be CRT or whether, you know, whatever, we're just, we're bad, we're bad, you know, teaching our kids that we are bad and there's, you know, somehow we should get better. And yeah, we, we've got some scars and we've got some, some things that we've done that, that hasn't been the best. But, but, you know, we were founded on American value or on Christian values and we really need to stick to Judeo Christian. Yeah. Right. Judeo Christian. Right. And that's what we, we need to stick with. But thank you so much for being a leader out there and, and doing your part. And folks, I encourage you, you know, anytime Rocky is speaking, you know, if he comes to your, 
your state or he does a virtual event or you hear him on the radio, support him. He's a great just asset to our country. Uh, has done so much for us. And, and folks, again, we appreciate you guys. We, we have this hard conversations. It's not popular always, but what we're wanting to do is make sure we get the truth out there. And that's yeah. what's most important. And so, Kyle, can you tell them where to find us uh, to yeah. follow us? By the way, thank yeah. you for the kind words. Yeah, absolutely, Roger. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can uh, find us and find shows like this all over the place on all streaming platforms, social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, we have two different pages. We have a Thinking Out Loud podcast, and then we have the Thinking Out Loud podcast fan page as well. And then on Instagram, thinking underscore out loud. Again, thinking underscore out loud, and our branding is there. You'll know it's us right away. We'll advertise shows like this on our social media page so so you'll know what's coming up. And we'll even advertise how you can share and rate and review our shows as well, because that always helps too. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're on an Apple device right now, could you just scroll all the way down to the bottom and rate and review us? If you're on any other platform, Pandora or Spotify or uh, you know iHeartRadio, all the places, you know, if there's a place to subscribe to us, follow us, do that, rate and review us, tell your friends about the show. That helps us greatly. And guys, we love you. God bless you. And we will see you next week.